This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me once again, as promised a few episodes ago, is Mr. Travis Johnson, the locomotive, the one-man writing army behind uh, Australia's Film Inc. magazine. Hello, sir. Hello. It is good to be back. 45 minutes we spent talking about one minute last time you were on. I wonder if we can beat that. (laughs) We might be able to. What I said to you immediately as you finished, you went, "How how long were we talking about that one minute? I said, 45 minutes. And Tone Loke wasn't even in that minute. And that is exactly <laughs> what we are presented with in the 47th minute of Heat. We are seeing Al Pacino as Detective Vincent Hanna coming to follow oh, poor, poor Albert. Albert. Albert Torino. The lovely Albert Torino. He said, my Way brother, back. my brother, Richard's going to talk to you. Is it Ricky? Uh, Ricky Harris. Who, Harris. Who died last year? I didn't know that. Uh, heart attack at 51. 51. I only found that out today. Shit, I yeah. did not know that. Uh, oh. And this is obviously but just just one of them things. One of those uh, things. But this is obviously the, the, the career highlight for him. Big uh, time. Yeah, Big I, I took a look through his filmography. and yeah, he, like He's been around. Yeah, he's been but around. But this is, yeah. He's so memorable in this. And also, he has to... He's he has to face down in Hurricane Vincent, right? Mm. And he and he does it so admirably. Oh, Ricky Their Harris. dynamic in this is wonderful. <laughs> it's, it is. He's so good. Oh. It's, it's not in this minute, but um, uh, Pacino's delivery of like, Albert, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Drops me every time. I just, I love Pacino's inflection on that Pretty line. Pretty fucking great. The way he looks at him. <laughs> I just love, I love the setup though. He goes, he goes, He's look. He look. He looks at. <laughs> he looks at Ricky Harris. He looks at him, and Ricky Harris is like, "No." Ricky Harris is so good right now. He's a little bit tiddly. He's having a great night with and his he's friends. Like he scored some points. He's like, he like good. He's like, yes, I took care of it. I took care of it, and he looks. At, and so Vincent changes face from completely perplexed and frustrated to like uh, just fa- complete fake. Oh wow, that was pretty fucking great. Yeah. And then it just goes back to normal. Yeah. That is that is <laughs> that is. I a am, am over fucking well. <laughs> Albert, what's wrong with you? Uh, every time. Every time. That's so great. Okay, so we are now at the forty seventh minute. We're gonna. Uh, forty sixth minute. Forty six to forty seven. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. The forty seventh total minute, but forty six minute on your dial on the original theatrical version of Heat. Look, guys, if you've just. Especially if you're in Australia and you're listening to this, or you're in the States and you've recently bought the new 20th Century Fox release of the definitive edition of Heat. Which I did. Which Trav did. Um, there is not going to be much difference between what we're viewing and what you're viewing. There's some like minor shaving and extending in a couple of scenes, and I think in some of the early scenes it's actually adding more. There's like a frame or two more in a couple of beats, so you might be put out. Um, beautiful colour. Uh, they've done some mm, great, yeah. great color upgrades. So what we're watching is not quite as crisp, perhaps, if you're watching that. But we are. V- when you listen to the minute that we cover, 
Um, it might just be slightly out synced on what you're watching, but it, it should be very close, so you won't have much to worry about. Y- you'll pick it up. You'll put it together. Yeah. You're pretty smart. If you're listening now and you have listened to the 47 episodes <laughs> of One Heat Minute, um, firstly, thank you. Um, thank you for so much for being a part of it. And um, two, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're obsessed. You're like me and you're like Travis. You're deep in this. You're, 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 you're in deep. I am over-fucking-whelmed. And with that, we're going into 46 Minutes with Vincent Hanna, Al Pacino, and my brother Richard, Tunloke. Here we go. Before we even get into that, there's this cool ripping rides all along the beach areas, all right? Now, the back of a trim shop on Irvine, if somebody wants to pay a little visit this weekend, they might find two turbos and a 911 slow. You're looking to rid yourself of your competition. Hmm? I'm a good citizen. I'm Donald Duck. So you got something to tell me or what? Check this out, cuz. How do I know if I tell you what you need to know, you're gonna do what the fuck I need to get done? Richard, man, Hannah's straight up, man. We do business all the time. I ain't your cuz, you rat motherfucker. And you know, cuz I say so. After I hear, what the fuck you gotta tell me? Understand what I'm saying? I get killed for telling you this shit. Kill walking your doggy. Alright. This cat I was locked up with in post. Oh, it's a tragedy. This uh, is the one tragedy of this show is that sometimes right in the thick of something, you have to cut it off. Don't quite get there. But we get some some really interesting stuff here. Um I really like Tone Loke in this role. I really like Tone Loke in this role too, because he's got He's got a swagger. He's got an intensity, and he's not—he's not being asked to sh- showboat too much. He—he he just can be cool. Like he just looks—he's—he's he's there in the suit. He's actually trying. You can sort of see um, when he's sitting down. Ricky Harris's uh, Albert is much more flair, and yeah. he's sort of—he's casing a bit. He's—he's he's being observant about what's happening around him. And yeah, I love the way he keeps looking around while he's talking to Vincent. He's just kind of scoping the club, and part of it's sort of being cool. Yes. But part of it's also a, a, a situational awareness. Yeah, and what's... Which Hannah then, we don't quite get it, but tries to disrupt. Big time. Big time. And so you've got... Uh, I love Albert's face here. 46 minutes, 5 seconds. Albert is so happy. He's like, yeah, Vincent. Look, he's looking right yeah. at Pacino. He's like, isn't this... Incredible? I brought you here and I've... Because... <laughs> um, what, what Hannah does as a character, and this, this is really smart, and this, this speaks to Michael Mann's research and, and command of his material, is Hannah's modus operandi when handling Albert is to always keep him on the back foot and always have him looking for approval. Yes. And this is Albert thinking he's got Vincent's approval, and it doesn't happen until after that <laughs> we're talking about Vincent shuts that the fuck down so <laughs> funnily and savagely. <laughs> uh, which is great because you, you, like, what in real terms, Vincent needs Albert because Albert is a yeah. font of information. Yeah. Information is how you take down criminals. Okay? Big time. So the, the actual power dynamic is Albert's in a position of strength. And what Vincent has to do is make sure that Albert never realizes that for a no. second. And also, I don't even think I think Albert has almost got that sort of Stockholm sil- syndrome. Um, oh yeah, c- ingrained in him because there's not even a 
there's no awareness, and that's what's so tremendous about the performance. There's no awareness whatsoever that he could ever get in a position of power. Mm. He's a dog. He's the lowest thing on the run. Like, Vincent has convinced him that he deserves nothing, and every little every little favour that he gets is, is due to Vincent allowing him to live this life this way. Yeah, and I don't think the film ever, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, verbalises or literalises the exact nature of the leverage that Vincent has over Albert. No. I don't think it's ever like, you could go down for this or I could, no. I could pin this on you. It is simply the the interpersonal dynamic and we, we pull context out of just the performances between these guys, the dialogue they share and the way man frames their relationship. And there's a lot of stones on Vincent in here. And this is one thing I actually respect from just pure physical actors in space. Sometimes when you're dealing with a big physical, you know, imposing person, they try and make them smaller. Sometimes when you're dealing with a small actor, they try and make them feel bigger in the scene. And I think what's cool about Heat is that they don't really do that with Pacino's Vincent. He doesn't feel bigger than anyone. His entire crew is taller than him. Yeah. And what's cool here but, is... But he's like a bantam, you know? He's yeah. <laughs> the way he throws his arm around... I was just, I was just, I was just oh, about man. to say that, which is that, that... So Richard leans in. You can see that Tone Loke's a little bit taller than him. Yeah. And he he's comes kind in... He's doing this conspiratorial thing. Like, yeah. I'm going to tell you some stuff. He's not actually looking him directly in the eyes. He's telling him stuff. He's facing around. He's looking around. And then there's this great moment where he sort of gets... When... when Vincent's sort of antagonizing him, going, well, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. You know, just t- tell me something. Stop stop trying to get rid of your competition. That's bullshit. I want to hear it. And then it's about 46 minutes, 28 seconds. Tone like gets in his face, looks at him right in his face, and he's clearly a bigger man, and he looks intimidating in this moment. He's real up close and personal. Yeah. And Vincent's reaction is like noogieing, a nephew. Like, he literally <laughs> throws his arm over his head and pulls him in. 46 minutes, 41 seconds. And he's just nursing his head like, I'm going to lecture you like you're a baby. Like, I'm pulling you in. And he's in the middle of, like, an all-urban African-American club. And he's then you get th- this shot where um, Vincent is so much bigger than Turnlock. Um, than uh, Richard in this in this frame. Look at that. Yes. Look at, look at yeah, the way. 40, 46 yeah. minutes, 43 seconds. But when he brings him in close, it's like this little guy has now grown in stature, especially the way that man frames it. And so that's what I love about this scene. It starts off sort of Richard's the one who's sort of, he, he's hunched up. He's yeah. casting his eyes to the side. And then... And he's defining the interaction. He's defining the space. And he's yes. sort of, he's very much dictating how he's going to interact with Vincent. And Vincent... Just changes that up completely. Just go, no, no, no. Come fucking here. Come here. The, no, and 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 poor Albert's like he's been nodding like, look at all this good stuff. And he just grabs his brother as well, and he's like, I'm going to treat you like you're nothing as well. You're going to fucking tell me everything. And so what's cool here is, guys, just in the context of the film, this is like 3 a.m. These guys are hot on the run. It's about 48 hours after the, one of the biggest heists in L.A. You've got yeah. to think about this. 48 hours. Oh, Vin- Vincent hasn't slept. Vincent hasn't slept yet <laughs> at all. So we've watched him go in at 2 or 3 a.m. He's following up a lead. Albert didn't get back to him in the original case, and this could just be nothing. So also, Vincent has to, and if we even just go back to earlier on in the minute, Vincent is being, like, he's treating this with about as much respect as it deserves from the outset, but he is still very wily. Like, he still is... He doesn't let things go past. Now, we see Vincent pop some gum 
Yes. Just before he grabs Richard. I love where you're going with this guy. He's been awake for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cocaine. Cocaine. Cocaine, which is never literally or explicitly in the film. Um, I think it's been a while, but either an interview or a commentary with Pacino. Yes, so... Where he was like, no, he's fucking, he's totally on cocaine. So to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Heat, Christopher Nolan, who is perhaps as big a fanboy of Heat as I am... um, I'd say that's inarguable. (laughs) That's inarguable. Um, He made The Dark Knight, which is basically Heat with superheroes, so I think he gets it. Um, He... Did a panel, an amazing panel, like a once-in-a-lifetime panel of all of the key performers in the film, including Michael Mann as the director. And Pacino talked about Vincent Hanna being a, a guy who took coke, and it was actually in the film. And in fact, literally in the minutes that are preceding this exact minute that we're watching, he w- Vincent walks up to a security guard, and he goes, give me all your money. And That's right, yeah. And in that moment, in that very moment, revealed on this podcast by the amazing Pasquale Buber, the editor of Heat, that scene was longer and Vincent cops cocaine, takes it before he comes into this club. Wow. Holy crap. (laughs) So, we are seeing a fallout of a guy who actually, uh, from cocaine use, is more about unstoppable momentum. Mm. He is almost like it's a ama- it's almost like he's he's fashioning his own version of mania so that he can operate without sleep. Well, you get that in a lot of uh, Vincent's interactions with people, his complete disdain for the norms of of social dynamics. Okay? Yes. He, like the way he uh gets up in the grill of Hank Azaria's character. Yeah. Oh, great. He's great. Um, you know, give me all you got. <laughs> all that stuff, you know, the way he... It, to the point where the only person he shows complete respect to um, is, is, is Macaulay. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, he, he's good with these guys on, on the robbery homicide team, but that is very much a, a boss and employee relationship. Yeah, there's Despite a, the fact that they socialise together, it is still... It is very when they're much... On, when they're on the job, those guys, like, click in, you know, perfectly in sync in a, in a hierarchy that works for them. Yeah. And they, that's all... That's normal. Like, those guys... You know, it's it, the action of the job is the juice for those guys too, which is so great about those sort of complementing, um, you know, although on different sides of all that sort of complementing way that each crew works yeah. um, uh, in their dynamic, which is phenomenal. But yeah, so I, I for me, I kind of I I o- have always thought about Vincent. You know, some people have taken the revelations that potentially Vincent was a coke addict or at least as a coke user in Heat as, oh, that explains his mania. And I would say no. His mania, exactly as Trav was outlining, and particularly in the scene, because it's really relevant about what we're just watching with Richard and Albert, is Mm. it is all about him keeping whatever criminal that he's dealing with on their toes. Yeah, off balance. Completely off balance. He wants He he wants to, to talk to them sweetly for a minute and then go insane because he knows if he cannot be pegged by them and he remains unpredictable, then they can never... They, 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 there's no comfort in your skin. And he knows that that's what's the great thing about Macaulay is, and after all the praise that he gives him and they hear about one another, 
Neil is not going to be intimidated by Vincent's nonsense. No, he knows no. it's an act, but someone like Albert, poor Albert, yeah, <laughs> poor Albert is is beyond the fact that yeah. it's an act at the moment. Yeah, because like Richard is, is reasonably professional. Yes, but he is a low level dude. Yes, you know what I mean. Like he he's a he's a worker. He's not mm-hmm. a player. And especially because he's trying to, he thinks in this moment that if I give a cop from robbery homicide at three a.m. in the morning a score for a, a chop cars, shop, yeah. Vincent's like, I don't care about you taking away your competition. That, it, it, that doesn't even, that doesn't, that's not a blip on my radar. Yeah, it doesn't even register. No, and so, and what's so great is, he's like, and then even Albert sycophantically goes, and it's at about 46 minutes, 30, you know, 36, 37 seconds. Oh, no, Albert's like, no, me and Vincent do business all the time, man. He's so deluded. Isn't oh, he a God. sweetheart? He's I a love sweet- him. I really love Re- him. Look, if anyone in... And I know that this is so ridiculous to even think, but just say in a world of one heat minute that someone in Ricky Harris's family or friend circle ever listens to this show, and particularly ever listens to this episode, rest in peace and pass on to his family the level of admiration that everyone who has talked about his character and his performance in this movie has for him and we're uh, we're we're lighting a candle on this podcast for his incredible performance as this guy who's just basically been abused into being used <laughs> as a criminal informant in the worst possible way. And you know, if you talk to a cop, that you know, uh, 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 cops have got a different outlook for criminal informants. I think almost it is a psychological thing for them to say, I need to keep this criminal informant as the lowest rung on the ladder and yeah, to keep beyond, ca- the, shadow beyond the shadow of a doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, he's so fantastic. And I love how he's like, no, but Richard, we do business. No, no you don't. you really don't. <laughs> you don't, Albert. He's so, he's so deluded. He's so <laughs> trapped. It, it is. It's <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome in a weird way. You're <laughs> it's, quite right. It's great. But it's a great performance. I really, I, I'm certainly not uh, uh, bum-noting the actor by any, in any way, shape, or form. The character. It's, it's, it's a character. really, really strong performance. I think uh, it's got a lot of flavor. It, it's got a lot of uh, interesting layers and ticks to it. And, and it, affectation. And it, I, it just works. If we go back, you are introduced to Albert in the middle of a chop shop at, a, it's a, about, a, I don't know, from, from geographically, from I learnt from Mr. Garth Franklin from Dark Horizons, it's about, I don't know, a couple of hours outside of the centre of LA in a chop shop and he's eating with, a, with silverware. <laughs> surrounded by dirt That's and right. immigrants yeah. and he just after walking through like a dog fighting pit <laughs> and he's there in a little tweed suit uh. he's just full of affectation and it's so odd but it's so him and it's like I'm the sophisticated one I'm doing business and it's that these guys both Richard and Albert are these low level guys that are aspirational and think oh I'm uh, you know in in Albert's mind, he's thinking I've still got a re- I've got a relationship with the police, and that's going to protect my mm. interest in the business. That's going to keep me afloat. But you know, I think Richard's a little bit more street savvy, a little bit more grounded. Yeah. Now, um, something I want to talk about. Uh, what's the music in the background? I have no idea. See, one one thing I'm always concerned about when middle aged, uh, <laughs> affluent white men do club or subculture scenes. Yes. Is how they handle. Okay. The subculture, the, the culture, the subculture, the music, uh, the behavior of the, the background performers and all that. Um, now, man in this 
doesn't give us a lot of context. He keeps his shots fairly tight. Yes. Um, you know, it's a lot of close-ups. Even when uh, Pacino's coming into the club, we don't see a whole heck of a lot. No. Uh, so, I just... So, this doesn't register to me as a white Australian dude. <laughs> no. In his 40s. As, as false, but I'm wondering if anyone can shed any light on how accurate this may or may not be, given man's famous love of verisimilitude and yeah. accuracy. And this definitely was a real club, and definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely a real club um, in LA. What I'm, what I might, what I might do is I'm going to leave a gap. I'm going to leave a gap in this, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to, I'm going to dump, I'm going to drop some knowledge in about the specifics. But just for traffic, just because I've, I've lost it in my cor- veritable cornucopia of heat facts, this is definitely a real club in Koreatown, which is uh, in Koreatown, in, okay, in Koreatown, which is where it was shot, and it was uh, an African American, predominantly African American club, and it was a live club that he just went into and and did the shooting and and got in and out of there fairly quickly. Um, and the that is one thing which is remarkable about here is that it's all location work. Yeah, yeah, in LA. Which the only incentive for the longest time, especially you know in the studio films of the nineties, because they they hadn't really broken hadn't broken out of it. It was usually like let's go to New York to get into a city, but he didn't need. He, he's like no, nope, I've got every studio in the world, but I want to shoot locally, and and this is definitely part of that flavor. So I'm going to leave a gap now. Now and you should be back. back. <laughs> yeah. Now you should be back after that knowledge drop. But yeah, so no, it's definitely it definitely is a club um that's there. But look, Tone Loke here, great. Richard's cool. I think Richard's savvy. I think um and but he's you're, he you're rungs up the ladder from Albert. I mean that's Yeah, he's wor- he's worked with bigger crews and he's trying he's trying to get something I'll give you someone else mm. you do for me. And Vincent is clear that that is not his intent. Yeah, Richard's trying to establish uh, a quid pro quo relationship. Vincent is not about that at all. No. Okay, he's got Albert. There is no quid pro quo there. There is just Albert does what he wants, <laughs> and Albert gets to be Albert. <laughs> Albert gets to be Albert. Uh, he can eat. He can eat with his fine dining gear, um, in a, in his dirt patch, and yep. I'll allow it. Um, and bang. Yeah, look at this. It's so beautiful. 46 minutes, about 44 to uh, 40 seconds to 50 seconds. He's there. And Loke actually has to, you know, get him off him. You know, you're going to get me killed if Mm. I give you this information. Get killed. uh, Loke, Richard, is trying to establish his own space again. Yeah. uh, And his own, not so much dominance, because I think at this point he realizes he's not dominating this interaction. (laughs) But at least his own sort of stake. You yeah, know what I mean, he's not going to capitulate the way Albert does, like a like a whip dog. <laughs> yeah. And what's great here as well is that it's almost better at the beginning of the scene for both Richard and Albert because Vincent was uncaring. Mm. But I think even in this, mi- even even though he doesn't know, we don't get the amazing drop, the this wonderful thread that that is left behind that's coming up in the following minute. I think in this moment, it's like 46 minutes, 52 seconds, Vincent casts his eyes over to Tone Loke. There's a respect there. there There's a respect, but also I think you now have my attention. Mm. You may actually have some information. This isn't going to be a waste of my time. And I actually think that it's like here where you go, oh, he's he's turned on or you've, you know, you had my curiosity now you have my attention. 
and it's like this moment where he's now not just being a heel as you as you put like a, a whipped up on on this film to such a a minute degree you realize the second by second internal character changes going on yeah uh which is extraordinary people <laughs> think acting is easy it's fucking not no. i have made the terrible mistake of putting myself in front of camera a couple times <laughs> i don't recommend it okay <laughs> the worst hack on Home and Away is a better actor than act you, the pants, random act, friend. Act the pants off of me or Trav any yeah. day, I think. It is tough, tough, tough work. Yeah. It, is, it requires a level of focus, concentration, and mental gymnastics, which is beyond the average person. So when you look at something like this, where you've got guys like Pacino and De Niro, who you know, were the greatest actors of their generation for a reason, you can see the way they manipulate their internal psychological landscape in order to get an external effect for the viewer i don't think that is specifically deliberate i don't think anyone like you would have to be a supercomputer to be able to go well if i think this i'll look like that and then the camera will pick this up but you can definitely see the process going on i mean this this frame of pacino we're looking at right now is stunning it, it's absolutely stunning i can't get over it and, and also, Pacino's hair is amazing. <laughs> it's looking good. It's so good. It's looking good as Vincent. He's there. And but that's that's what I love. That's the clue that I haven't really picked up on before. Is it's it's the fact that Richard has stood up to him mm. in some way. Yeah. That has actually triggered a piece of attention. You know, you know, and and and, he, and, and he's joking. Get killed walking your doggy, and he's still trying to. He's still antagonizing. He's yeah. absolutely antagonizing, but it's just that frame of like. But he's kind of stepped back a bit as well. It's not the the. He's not using the technique he would use on Albert. Albert, yeah. he fucking beats down. Yes. And Richard, he has to negotiate with a bit. And what I love, even though we're we're, we're running into the end of the minute, Tone Loke is telling him something here, and what's so great and what's coming up in the hilarity of the next moment oh my is, God. is, but. So Tone, big ass peacock, <laughs> <laughs> big ass peacock, peacock right, right here. here, and it's he's telling Vincent something, and he's looking away from him, and that's what's cool about the Tone Loke performance as Richard because he is now scared of what he's saying. Yeah, no, nah, he's had to put out because originally he was just going to go with the. I think he was just going to go with the chop shop. Yeah, story. he's going with the chop shop bullshit. This, now he's dun, got dun. this other thing. And it's also interesting in terms of building up, um, as I talked about the last minute I was on, the fabric, the, the texture of, of the criminal milieu, the idea that this information's floating around out there. It's not like Vincent is fucking Sherlock Holmes and says, well, I think that Michael Chirito might move in these circles. So I'll go no. and talk. It's just like, okay, this is almost a random hookup. Yes. And he's like, I know a guy. And, well, you know, I know of a dude. And and also, there's, you know, just to sort of branch out into the the um, the fallout of this minute and the next minute, is that when Vincent talks about Chirito, he's like, look at Chirito, track him, mm. see who he goes and talks to. When he talks to them, they've got jackets, I want to know where they are. If they eat together, I want to know who they yeah. are. And so it is. it then becomes a methodical and... and and very procedural mm. slog. Yeah, it turns into a grind. It turns yeah. into a grind. And it's like we want everything up and running just because, again, we're still in 
within about you know 48 72 hours of this massive heist and multiple poli- you know multiple deaths and and uh, um, you know the security guard deaths and so it's in this moment that Vincent has his attention and that's what I think plays for the comedy in the next moment is because he's flipped the switch you may actually have something to tell me here yeah and when he and when he sort of goes and in Richard's this is Richard not not being in a relationship like a Stockholm syndrome with Albert, he's like, I know a guy and he starts to tell him about, it. I know a guy who, you know, used to, you know, love action. And when I saw him, he said he wasn't doing anything, which means for me, he must be doing, must something. Be doing something. And Albert, what's <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to enjoy that. That's what's oh, great about this. I'm going to enjoy that. In the next so minute, much. so much. It, it, it's so great. So there's a couple other movies I want to talk about quickly. Um, one is, it's another movie, uh, 11 years older than he shot in LA, which involved a nightclub scene, mm-hmm. called The Terminator. Oh, little man. Little Jimmy Cameron. Now, the story about the nightclub... Little, little, little Jimmy. Little Jimmy Cameron. Bless him. He grew up to be an angry man. <laughs> he did, but a fantastic and underwater inc- explorer, inc- and I respect that. Incredible. Incredible filmmaker. Mm. I hope he still is, because apparently we're getting about 70 new uh, Avatar films. Oh, Tem- Terminator 2. Terminator, Terminator, you know, Terminator 2. That's the, If you've given that to the universe... You're good. You're good. And The Abyss. The, the Abyss. abyss. <gasps> Love The Abyss. Anyway, 